Hello and welcome to the podcast, Emotional Intelligence, Your Greatest Asset and Key to Success. I'm your host, Dr. Jamie Carlaccio, coming to you from the greater New Haven, Connecticut area. As a positive intelligence or PQ coach, I'm committed to helping people develop both emotional intelligence and mental fitness. You'll come to regard problems as situations that help you learn and grow. PQ is a way of being and doing in the world that enables you to develop and sustain a positive relationship with yourself and others at home, at work, and everywhere in between. Please subscribe to this podcast and tap the like button so more people can enjoy the benefits of PQ. And now, here's the show. Hello and welcome back, everybody. This is episode six on Brave and Bold. And it has been a minute since I've been here, had a few things going on, had to re-record a couple of episodes, had a cast put on after a surgery. The cast is purple, kind of matches my hair. I really like it. And it's holding everything in place until everything heals at the end of the month. So enough about me. This episode centers on transitions and change. And it kind of goes with the brave and bold theme because you have to be brave and you have to be bold if you want things to change. And every time there's a change, it involves a transition from something that was to something that's going to be. So in the previous episode, I had talked about vulnerability. I had brought up Brene Brown and uh, talked about you know showing up to your life with your authentic self, being honest, taking risks, and just being accountable. You know, this isn't about self-disclosure, you know, being being vulnerable isn't about telling everybody all of your deepest, darkest secrets or all about your trauma. It's really just about showing up and being the best person that you can be, but being okay with being the you that is imperfectly perfect. So again, the subject of Brave and Bold involves change and transitions are integral to that pathway of change. But as we know, changes are scary, and oftentimes we will sit in a place because we are afraid to make a decision, because we are afraid of what might happen. So some of the things we change include our job, our career. We may be getting into a marriage. We may be getting out of a marriage or a significant relationship. We may be making major lifestyle changes. We may be making a significant move to another city, to another country, whatever it is. And I think one of the things that scares people about change is if we've made choices in the past, which we consider having had a bad outcome, we tend to be afraid, you know, kind of uh, gun shy, if you will. And what I say is maybe instead of thinking of the choices as bad, think of them as choices that had outcomes that you didn't like or that didn't turn out well. And think of them as opportunities for growth and look for gifts. You know, a friend of mine always used to say, look for the gift every time I would complain about something that was happening to me and used to drive me crazy. And I couldn't always find the gift right away, but I always did find it. And so my mind would kind of be working on it, I guess, in the background. And I would find that kind of God was doing for me what I could not do for myself. And so one of the one of the wonderful uh, benefits of positive intelligence is 
using using decisions and outcomes as a way to pivot to something else. Maybe maybe the thing that happened was a mistake. And if we hadn't made that mistake, this other thing wouldn't have happened that turns out to be even better than we thought it would. So there's always a gift. That said, navigating change isn't easy. And one of the things that helped me was a book called Transitions by William Bridges. It's in its 25th printing, which tells you how popular the book is and how long it's been in print, which is quite a long time. So the Buddhists call transitions bardos, and in the Western tradition, we call them the liminal space. And for me, it's kind of like a twilight zone thing. Imagine you're on a bridge and the fog is so dense that you can't see. You can't even see where you came from and you certainly can't see where you're going. And it can feel like you're groundless. And that brings up fear and anxiety and maybe even a sense of loss. But your experience and your instinct tell you that bridges connect And so there's always going to be another side to the bridge. And if you keep walking, you will get there. And maybe you have to stand there for a while and get your bearings until some of the fog lifts. But ultimately, you will not be in that place forever. I like what the Buddhist nun Pema Chodron says. She says, these crossroads are the perfect training ground for spiritual warriors So I encourage you to think of yourselves as spiritual warriors because you've already made major changes in your life and you will continue to make major changes in your life. So for myself, you know, I like to move along and when there isn't any movement, I feel like there must be something wrong. There must be something I'm stuck. But ultimately, I've learned that it's not necessarily about stuckness as the need to wait, And when I ask spirit or my sage for guidance, I hear wait and I think, okay, I'll wait, but I usually don't want to wait as long as I need to wait. But it turns out always, always, always that waiting was the thing that I needed to do because it counteracts my tendency toward impetuosity. I want things to happen now. You know, I, I will jump into the deep end and then forget, oh, I'm not sure I know how to swim in the deep end yet. I usually figure it out. But sometimes it's better to start in the shallow end and move on. So just a couple of examples, you know, transitions take us out of our comfort zone and guess who kind of comes in there to help us out? The saboteurs, the judge may come in. Let's say you're considering changing a career and this becomes really significant at midlife. A lot of people really take some time to reevaluate where they've been and where they're going And they may say, you know, the judge is going to say, you're too old. What are you thinking of? You know, the job you've got is fine. Nobody's going to hire you at this age. You know, you're not even really worth that much. And can you really learn anything new? And, you know, what if you have to go back to college? And the imposter says, well, they might hire you, but they're going to find out that you're actually not qualified for the position and they're going to fire you. I remember feeling like that in grad school. I really felt like an imposter and I would walk down the halls literally thinking they are going to find out any minute and they will kick me out of the program. They didn't, but, and at the time I didn't even have a word for imposter syndrome, but once I learned what it was, I found out that I'm not alone. Lots of people feel that way. So if you feel that way, know that it's a syndrome 
And it may be a feeling, but it doesn't have to be a fact. And it probably isn't. But when all of that stuff is going on in your head, start noticing, oh, the judge is active. And then you can say, nope, talk to the hand. Not going to listen to you today, judge. Now, that said, other saboteurs are coming in to take the judge's place. So the avoider might be saying, oh, do you really want to apply for that job or change your career? You don't want to have to make these big changes, do you? What a pain. You're going to have to try to meet new people and try new things. And you might sound desperate in your cover letter and you have to redo your resume. Oh, it's too much. Maybe you should just take a nap and forget about it or worry about it some other time. Your hypervigilant saboteur may come in and have you living in the wreckage of the future. You know, what happened in the past may happen again, and it's the worst case scenario. And even if something good did happen, the other shoe is going to drop eventually. And all it does is bring anxiety. And anxiety is just one of the killers. It's not good for us. And it's not good for how it causes a lot of stress and unhappiness. It's just not worth it. So interrupt the saboteurs because that's how you weaken that neural pathway. You have to turn toward the sage. But in order to interrupt the saboteurs, this is where the PQ reps come in. So one of the most obvious ones and maybe the most, you know, the most relevant is to stop and start breathing. Just take some deep breaths and be very deliberate and intentional. So count your breaths, you know, breathe in and breathe out and count each breath. And then when you're one of your 65 or 70,000 thoughts comes crowding into your head, a worry, a past conversation, a conversation that's never happened that you're making up, the grocery list that you need to write, whatever it is. When one of those thoughts comes crowding in, just label it and move back to counting your breath. And then when the thought goes to something else, label it and come back to your breath. And every time you do that, you are strengthening your PQ muscle. You're strengthening that sage path. Another thing to do is just get up and walk into another room if you can, or shift your eyes to look at something on another wall or whatever you need to do. Take a step outside, go to the kitchen, get a glass of water, you know, whatever it takes to stop doing what you're doing for a moment and just change the scenery. You know, you've heard of the phrase, move a muscle, change a thought. And I think that really works. So fixate your eyes on something. You know, stare at some jewelry, stare at something on a wall, you know, stare at, if you're talking to a person, look deeply into their eyes and maybe notice their eyelashes or their eyebrows. They're not going to think you're weird because if you're having a conversation, they're going to think you're very interested. But the idea is just stop whatever's going on that's sabotaging you and interrupting that is the way that it weakens that path because that has been our path of least resistance for so long and it takes a while. That's why we say go to the PQ gym. You have to keep going. It takes practice. But I guarantee you, when you go to the gym, you will feel the toning of your muscles and you will find it a little easier every time and you'll catch it sooner. You know, this is a time I want to tell you a little bit of a story because one of the things that 
you know, fear brings up is, is we tend to beat ourselves up. Oh, you know, why am I so afraid? And if I weren't so afraid, I would do this or that. And beating ourselves up is not useful. It doesn't help a situation and it doesn't serve ourselves. So one of the sage muscles is empathy. Don't beat yourself up. Say, okay, yeah, I'm going to make friends with the fear. I acknowledge it's here and I accept it. It's part of our fabric. And it's not going to go away, but it doesn't have to swallow us up. This reminds me of one of my favorite Buddhist stories. And I believe I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. There's a cave-dwelling yogi named Milarepa. And his story illustrates how when we release the resistance to what is, things get better. You know, there's the path of least resistance, and we can change that from the saboteur path to the sage path. And here's how. So one day, Milarepa left his cave to go gather firewood. And when he returned, his cave was full of demons, just demons everywhere. He could barely move. There were so many demons in the cave. And all he could think of is, I've got to get rid of these demons. And after forcefully trying to get him out of the cave, nothing happened. Nothing changed. They were completely unfazed. So in fact, it seemed like that the more he tried to chase them out, the more settled in they became. And since he realized that that wasn't going to work, he opted for another approach. He said, well, okay, maybe I should teach them the Dharma. And when I get them to change their minds, they'll leave. So he sits down and he teaches them about existence and non-existence and impermanence. And he teaches them about compassion and kindness. And he looks around and he realizes they're all still there. And they're just simply staring at him with these big bulging eyes. Not a single demon left. At this point, he lets out a deep breath and he realizes he cannot manipulate or force the demons to leave and that maybe, just maybe, he has something to learn from them. So he looks deeply into the eyes of each demon and he bows and he says, it looks like we're going to be here together. And as he did this, he said, whatever you have to teach me, I am willing. And every single demon left except the biggest, baddest demon. And the biggest, baddest demon was there. He wasn't leaving. He had flaring nostrils. He had fangs. He had these bulging eyes. And Milrepa said, okay, all right. He steps over the demon and he offers himself completely to the demon. And he says, eat me if you wish. He places his head in the demon's mouth. And at that moment, that demon bows low and dissolves into space. So I say, put down the gauntlet and accept the fear. Maybe it's a mirage. Maybe it's a paper tiger. Maybe it's just that thing that continues to power the saboteurs. So one of the sage muscles I like to use is the activate muscle. Take an action. We are not on this earth to be miserable. Quite the opposite. As I've said before, and I will say a hundred more times, we are designed in, with, and for love. We are love. You know, that is what our sage is. It's that guiding source that wants only good for us, and that exists in us. So that sage is, is you. That sage is you. 
So that's what you can do. You can draw on that and you can make a choice. And your choice, your choice to act may be to stay and it may mean to go. You know, it may mean not to do something. So it's not a matter of always going and doing. It may be staying. So I want to just kind of close with a few questions. What if you walk through the fear, right? Ask yourself, what have I got to lose? What have I got to gain? Better yet, ask yourself, what would love do? What would love do? The sage muscle of navigate might help you in terms of maybe work or life or something. Ask yourself, what what do you really want to accomplish in your remaining years? Picture yourself as 20 years older or 10 years older or whatever, and imagine what you're doing then. And then ask that person, that older you, that wiser you, the you that has gained a lot of experience, what would that person tell you today? And if you can think about that and really get into that and imagine that, that may help you make the decision that you need to make. But mainly, what I want to say is I want you to think about who you really are, what makes you happy. You know, what turns your engine? What is it that drives your passion? You know, for me, if I'm not passionate about something, then it's likely that I shouldn't be doing it. And for me, writing is my passion. And so when I'm writing, I feel so good. I forget about what time it is and I just keep doing it. And when I'm not writing, I'm thinking about what I'm going to write next, but writing is my passion. So I say, do the Joseph Campbell thing, follow your bliss. You know, that doesn't mean go to the poor house and, you know, quit your job or whatever necessarily, although that's what I did. But what it means is, what is it that you need to do so that you feel fulfilled? You know, what is it that helps you come alive? So even if you're in that in-between space, stay there for a little while. It's okay. It's okay. You won't be there forever. So stay tuned next week. I interviewed Denise Hanks, another PQ coach, and she shares her thoughts on Brave and Bold. And I would love to meet you. So if you think about working with me as your PQ coach, my information is in the show notes. And please don't forget to like and subscribe. And until next time, I will see you at the PQ Gym. Bye.